and welcome to the 25th Womanthology Podcast. My name is Fiona Patton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Womanthology Revisited. Womanthology is all about sharing stories and wisdom. The thing about these stories is that often when they are shared with us, it's just the start. So we like to keep in touch and find out what happened next. So today I'll be speaking with Y Fung Ong, founder and CEO of Matchable, a digital platform matching companies and individuals with opportunities to work with exciting non-profits and startups on innovative projects. I've known Fung pretty much since Womanthology started, so it means all the more to find out about the work she's doing now. Inesh Santos, Womanthology's associate editor, will also be talking you through the written stories in the new issue. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have Wife Ung Ung. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm all right, apart from just for the audience here, just a bit of background. We are recording this on probably the hottest day on earth ever. And uh, we're both sat here ready to chat, but literally it's like melting. What, what are your um, tips for, for staying cool? Ice cream is my go-to. <laughs> just continuously, just keep eating ice cream. It is actually World Ice Cream Day today, or National Ice Cream Day. I can't remember which. There you go. So we've spoken to you in the written magazine, I think probably about maybe three times now. Yeah. Could be three, could be four. I will verify the figures for later, but always a pleasure to speak with you. So how, how are you doing? How are things? Yeah, all good. Yeah, I just moved into East London from South London. Also, I've been doing a lot of unpacking and repacking and that kind of thing. Otherwise, everything is really good. Well, it looks lovely. And you've not got one of those fake Zoom backgrounds that people have. Or if you have, it's a very good one because I can't tell it's fake. <laughs> this, this is my new place. Well, it, well, it's looking lovely. So I'm going to start with a question. You are a great friend of Womanthology. And as we said, you've appeared several times. So for those who have missed those, please, could you give us a quick recap of your educational background, career to date, and yeah, how, how you got to where you are today? Well, thanks, Pete. Well, first of all, thank you so much for all your support over the years. It's been amazing. I don't know if you'll, you'll talk about like how we met and that kind of thing, but I think we always had that common interest where we were really looking to promote women and female founders and just um, generally what great work women do. So it was really nice that everything came from there. Always a big fan of womanthology. So thank you for having me. I'm trying to remember. Let's remind people. I know we met on Twitter, didn't we? We did in the time when I used to tweet. <laughs> so <laughs> the heady days of when I had time to tweet. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, it leads nicely into my background. So I was an accountant for 13 years. I was working at a big four firm. And when I made senior manager, which, which is middle management at, at this company, I started a blog called Suit and Pie which started around the same time as Womanthology and it was all around the kind of lean-in movement with Sheryl Sandberg. So I realized at that time that so much of what I'd been feeling was the result of being a woman, actually. So when that book came out for me, it was quite a big revelation. 
And so it's really nice to find allies and other women who are feeling the same. And so the blog was born out of that. And I ended up interviewing some amazing people like yourself and really inspiring women and men, actually, who are very good allies. And off the back of that, started a community as well called Suits and Startups, because I found the people I found were most inspiring when I was interviewing them for the blog were some of the founders that I had met. And so ended up creating this community that was looking to bring together people in the city, startup founders. And I love startup world so much that I decided to quit my job um, and become a startup founder. So that's how things happened. And that was the back end of 2018. And so in 2019, I found this role at Matchable. The idea wasn't mine. It actually came out of an incubator that was a collaboration between eight of the UK's largest charities coming up with ideas that they um, thought could be good businesses, but that would also solve some of their collective problems. And they wanted to find founders who could grow those businesses. And Matchable was one of the ideas that came up. The rest is history. And I can't think of a better person to be in that role just because of your background, the community that you've built, but also your personal skills as well, because you've got a really good blend. You've got that business background and then also you've got a law degree as well, didn't you? So you've got law, accountancy, but then also you've got the people skills all around that as well. And I think that's such a, a great combination of that incisive, yes, I know this stuff, I know all of this, but then also those lovely people skills around that to lead people and take people with you. Well, thank you so much. Yes, obviously the law with French law degree is uh, really coming to the fore. (laughs) Hey, don't knock the law. It's always a good something to fall back on and yeah, nobody will mess with you. Well, I wouldn't anyway. So so. tell us a bit more about Matchable and all the the amazing things that you're doing. So if we're trying to imagine you on a day-to-day basis, what are we imagining you doing other than having ice cream on hot days honestly the ice cream is a daily thing (laughs) just to give a bit of background so matchable is a b2b platform that matches companies and their employees with really unique skilled volunteering projects non-profits that includes charities and social enterprises and also at impact startups so tech forgets just to illustrate it's good to have an example if you wanted to help Colombian um, farmers retrade from growing cocaine uh, to growing cocoa and use blockchain to enable them to make sure that they're fairly remunerated. We have projects working with an organization that does exactly that called Choco for Peace. And we match them with a whole bunch of different kinds of volunteers from project management all the way to digital marketing and tech and data and all kinds of things. So that's the kind of project that you'll find on the platform. I love that cocaine to cocoa. So that's what the company does. We're now a team of nine, um, which is still blows my mind after two years. <laughs> the team are wonderful and everyone really owns their piece. So we have a head of sales, a head of nonprofits and startups. We have account manager and volunteer matching manager and then a CTO. And then. So everyone has their own bit of the business that they're in charge of. Um, And I pick up everything they don't do, which is often not super exciting, like a lot of admin. But also I still do a bit of sales and go in when I need to in terms of troubleshooting and making sure that we're on track to meet targets. The conductor of an orchestra, though, really, aren't you? That's the way I see you. 
Yeah, you're trying to move every bit of the startup forward at the same time. So you have to keep like spinning all these plates and you can't just go in a linear fashion, unfortunately. <laughs> I think the thing is when you've got your own company as well, but certainly to the outside world, you need to have all the answers or a, an attempt at all the answers. So when people come to you and go, what about this? It's very difficult to go, I really don't know at all. You can't do that. So you've got to have enough of an idea so I don't I suppose you have to be infallible but you've got to steer the ship haven't you really exactly I think that I feel like that's kind of what I do at the moment so I get a lot of questions like during the day from different different team members and I'm trying like to come and say yes this data is important and this isn't um you know like well, this thing is important that isn't so it's very exciting it's very full-on but it's really cool it's really cool well, that's so exciting because I think that you've grown quite significantly since last time we spoke and I think that was like the end of last year so to have grown that much in that amount of time is amazing so hats off to you thank you we're recruiting at the moment yes well, who are you recruiting for now I wouldn't normally do a shameless plug here but let's do a shameless <laughs> plug who are we looking for so our current sort of head of customer engagement who looks after our volunteers is stepping into a lead account manager role. So we're looking for a junior kind of volunteer matching person. I realized this in startup, like coming from an accounting background, where like all the names are really fancy, but I've struggled to understand exactly what each one does. <laughs> Sometimes you can also make them up. So um but we are recruiting for a customer engagement executive. So it's a junior account manager role. Yeah, if it's helpful, we'll put a link in the show notes so people can see what that role is and if they want to um, find out more. Definitely. And they could be working alongside you relatively yeah. soon. That'd be super exciting. And also you're, you're a B Corp as well, aren't you? Tell us a little bit about that. It's actually been really cool to become a B Corp. So as part of the incubator, I suppose, and the way that we were created through these eight charities, one of the things that they really wanted us to do was make sure that we became a B Corp as well. It was a certification that started in the States. It's an assessment. And you get a score. And the idea is that they test a whole bunch of different areas, like how sustainable you are, environment, but also how well your governance is set up and how well you look after your people. The idea being that if you get a certification as a B Corp, it proves that you can balance purpose with profit, yeah. do good for the environment at the same time. So yeah, we certified in 2020. And the B Corp community is amazing. They have a whole bunch of really big names as well in the States, like Patagonia and Ben and & Jerry's and all these brands that you recognize as being really good for people and planet. And so being part of that is great. And we just got named best for the world company because we scored really highly in governance. This is probably my accounting skills going. Excellent. Because <laughs> um, we were in the top 5% of B Corps for governance worldwide. So that was really cool. Wow. Oh, congratulations. That's an amazing achievement. Absolutely phenomenal. Well done you. as well if you're going to be do something like this and become a b corp i'm not going to say it's easier because you have different challenges when you're a startup organization so everything's hard when you're a startup (laughs) but from a size point of view the bigger you grow you've got more resources behind you so in theory there's more resources to make this transition to this type of organization but obviously the bigger you get then the more things you've got to look at so I suppose it swings and roundabouts isn't it really I actually think it was a little bit easier for us first of all exactly for that reason 
because when I applied actually for B Corp status, we were only a team of four or five. The other reason is because if you're a consumer brand where you create create products with more of a service type brand, then you have to look at your whole supply chain in terms of where every part of that product comes from. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot more work involved. Well, congratulations again. And so I'm going to ask the question that I ask everybody now, and it's like the most miserable question ever, but COVID, that we started calling it the COVID. How's the COVID impacted on what you do and the way you go about what you do? Has it been a a big barrier yeah it mainly impacted what we did right at the beginning of the pandemic because we are still a fairly young company so at the beginning of 2020 when covid hit we were doing a lot more consulting based matching and so the projects we were sourcing were more um, targeted at upskilling and bespoke upskilling for certain types of skills and so it meant that we were actually selling to a lot of lnd teams so learning and development teams in companies what happened when COVID hit was that the budgets for those teams got cut because they're all just trying to survive as companies, which was totally fair enough. But we saw a massive uptick in number of people who wanted to volunteer. So for a small time, we ended up pivoting from a B2B company to a B2C. And we launched a matchable membership, which was called Matchable on Lockdown. And we trialed it with about 60 people, 60 members for six weeks over April, May, I suppose, last year. It didn't work out (laughs) in the sense that I don't think it was clear enough or we weren't able to communicate through digital marketing and quick Instagram ads, how different the kinds of volunteering was that we were providing. People are just generally as consumers, I think, not used to the idea yet of paying to volunteer. They're already giving time for free, which is totally fair enough. So we pivoted back to B2B, but one thing that came out of that was that the model that we used, which was creating a hub of projects where people could come in and self-select the projects based on skills and causes they care about, actually worked really well in terms of accelerating the time to match. So we ended up pivoting back to B2B, but the way that we match people is still through a hub. So it was a good lesson for us in how to improve the product, even though it didn't work out in terms of audience. Yeah, but you're always learning. And I think in a newer organisation, it's much easier to admit that. Whereas in a big corporate, people are less likely to want to say, well, we tried that and actually that didn't work out quite so well, but it sort of this. Whereas I think to be a founder, you're able to be much franker. I think that's being an authentic leader as well, isn't it? To be able to come on here to speak with your staff to speak with them and say well we tried this but actually it didn't work out but we did this and it taught us this and now we've got this phenomenal model that works incredibly well yeah absolutely the whole ethos in terms of how I manage the team is that none of us have built something like matchable before so everyone's ideas are just as valid as everyone else's because we are still learning a lot day to day so it's really nice to see everyone feel empowered, own their own piece, test new things out, and then come back and make things better. It doesn't have to all come from me. Definitely, I don't have the best ideas, necessarily. (laughs) I I think you have good ideas. It's a combination, isn't it? So one of the things that I ask people all the time is about diversity of thought and why that's a good thing for business. Why does that lead to better solutions to problems absolutely it's always that kind of thing where it's like tends to better than one but if I even like just practically think about sitting on my own and trying to think up a solution if I just tie myself in not it's always nice to have people to bounce ideas off but also 
everyone has different experiences in life. My team are actually, most of them are, actually all of them are much younger than me. So they have a very different perspective on things as well. And everyone has different backgrounds. And the thing is, where innovation happens is not when you have lots of people have the same ideas about and perspectives about things. It's where you have a little bit of challenge and conflict. You have open and honest conversations about how you think things should work. And that's, I think, how you come up with the best ideas. And also, you need to be representative of your audience. So as a population, we are getting more and more diverse. So, you know, you actually need people who represent different types of audience within your company as well to make sure that the product you produce also meets their needs as well. And why is it so important to you to work in a space where you are helping organisations? I don't want to say do good because that sounds like do gooder and that doesn't sound like the great thing it is, but to do great things, what what does that drive you? So I think generally... um, I believe that this is the way forward for organizations. This whole thing with B Corps and like profit and purpose being aligned. Matchable is my way or one way where you can say to staff at a company, you know, look, we are living our values. You know, we are allowing you to do these very purposeful, impactful projects. And this is something that's important to us as a company. And you can do that alongside your day jobs. A lot of the companies we work with give one to six days of paid volunteering days where their staff can go off and do projects. So from a business perspective, I I do think doing goods will become more and more embedded and associated with the nature of being a company. You won't be be able to have a company that's just about money anymore. (laughs) Um, It just won't look good. The other thing I think for me is personally, when I was working previously in my accounting job there was something about finding purpose and it's a very millennial thing to say but like oh what is my purpose I do think that if I had something like matchable available to me where I could go out and do a project like the ones we have on a hub then that would have helped me satisfy that need explore new things develop different skills and I think it actually would have ticked that box and you know potentially would have stayed longer at the company as well. One of the things with Matchable that I'm trying to do is help other people who were in my shoes or who are feeling similar find their purpose through the projects that we offer. It's such an important thing. And I think recruitment seems to be picking up again, which is a good thing. But with so many organisations, maybe COVID and other things has made people think about the lifestyle that they want, the work-life balance that they want. So hopefully that's a, a catalyst for corporates to look at what you're doing, to embrace that and think we want to give people this balance that perhaps they were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. We've also to reassess internally how we work as well. And especially with the remote working, it's been interesting. I'm trying to see how we find an office and all the diversity of people preferring to work from home or not and anyway that's a separate conversation (laughs) (laughs) and you were recently recognized in the list of the top 100 Asian stars in UK tech so congratulations and I believe that Matchable is also on the Escape the Cities top 100 list of organizations so tell us about those how amazing is that 
Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. The um, top 100 Asians in UK tech was a real surprise to me. I don't even know who nominated me, to be honest, but it was a real honour, especially coming from an accounting background. It was so nice to be recognised. The one nice thing about that list as well was that it was the first time they had over half of the shortlist be female. There's 53%, which was so cool to be part of that. And obviously there's a whole range of people I admire in there, like the co-founder of Bulb. So really... A real honor, especially not having done this for very long. And yeah, and we also made the of the top hundred companies to escape to on Escape the City. We are number sixty-three, but we have the joint highest people score. So it's really cool. Escape the city. I did a lot of their courses before I escaped to the city myself. <laughs> so We've got them to thank. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> they do some really good stuff, though. I love Escape the City, and they've been going for quite a few years now. But it, there's a real community there. Although obviously being outside this the city, do they do stuff outside of London? Do you know? I think that they do a lot of virtual stuff now, which is great. So they run courses as well, but they just managed to find a bunch of really cool people. A lot of people have been through courses with them and now like great founders, like the founder of Pip and Nut and all kinds of things. Obviously the name Escape the City is kind of infers that you're escaping the city as in <laughs> London, but equally it could be escaping loads of things. <laughs> and last time we spoke, you were raising funding as well. How's all of that side of things going? It sounds very high powered. If you're allowed to stay, obviously don't give away any secrets that you're not allowed to tell us. No, it's fine. Um, it's probably sounds more high powered than it feels. <laughs> it's, uh, basically going around pitching, trying to get money from people who may or may not want to give you money um, <laughs> so we've now closed that round of funding which is great and we actually overfunded so we're raising £250,000 at the back end of last year and we ended up closing the round at about just over 400000 which was amazing and it's given us a real runway we're hiring and trying to grow faster now so yeah in total um, so far for Matchable I've raised just over 600 thousand pounds which is keeping us going phenomenal so to anybody who's inside the startup world or also to anybody who's outside the startup world I defy anybody to hear that and not be super impressed oh thanks so much <laughs> the next round is going to be our angel round and then the next round will be going for institutional funding and that will be q3 q4 this year i have to say i'm not um the biggest fan of pitching i do it but i of all the things that founders do i find it one of the hardest one of well you come across very well though I think what people want is somebody who's engaging and somebody who's sincere and somebody who knows or sounds like they know what they're talking about and you actually do know what you're talking about it's not just you sound like you know what you're talking about and, and is it different pitching to angels than it is to pitching to institutional investors do you have to change your tone yeah definitely we've raised mainly angel investment so far and it is definitely different. It's based a lot more on personal network and personal relationships that you can develop or like a recommendation from another angel in terms of like high net worth or that kind of check. Yeah. Also, the expectation in terms of return is slightly different. They're happy to give you money that sort of sits there a little bit longer or returns a little bit less, but still gives a good return in terms of forecasts. I did pitch a few institutional VCs at the back end of last year as well, just to get some initial feedback. Oh, that's um, for people that don't know, that's venture capitalists. 
yes, venture capital funds. And so the check was between 500,000 and a million plus for those kinds of funds. The nature of how those funds work is that they don't make many investments over the course of the year, but the ones that they do invest in, they have to believe that every single one can become a unicorn. So a company worth over a billion pounds, because that's how they make their return in terms of the funds. And typically something like 20 or 30% of the companies they invest in will become unicorns and then maybe 40-50% will actually do okay and then the remaining 20-30% will die or maybe more will fail. So in order to sell to them, you really have to be going all guns blazing, be like in five years time, we're going to be like the biggest thing since like Uber. But we'll be IPOing and it's going to be amazing. Be the new Bumble. The new Bumble, exactly. Um so it is a different kind of pitch and I expect it to be. I haven't cracked it yet, so <laughs> I'll tell you when I, when I have. But you do need to show um, a lot more in terms of resilience and confidence and being able to sort of power through a lot more things because it's all about growth when you get VC money. And in terms of female founders, we know that it's harder from a female founder perspective to do things like raise funds, but more, more broadly, because there's less female founders. What, what's your advice or what's your experience of, of being a female founder? What would you advise to other female founders out there who are maybe got an idea or partway along the road with an idea? What would your tips be to them for getting the idea out there and in terms of things like funding and more broadly, what would you be suggesting that they ought to be doing Definitely the first thing is just don't give up on yourself because it can be really tough, really, really tough. Just fundraising generally or even building a company can feel super lonely. You get a lot of knockbacks. So just being persistent is probably the number one thing. And then the other thing is staying true to yourself because I've had so many times where people have tried to teach me how to pitch, teach me how to pitch like a guy, like a guy in a hoodie. And I think, <laughs> yeah, like you have a lot of pitch practice where they teach you to try and pitch like um, a Silicon Valley startup person, because that's what I think panels and investors are used to or find more appealing. And there's a whole bunch of stories that um, you hear about that really illustrate the bias towards men both from male and female investors it's good because investors generally are becoming more aware and looking out for this kind of stuff you know if they have unconscious or conscious buyers now but i've heard of people raising funding because they looked like elon musk and they just played on that and came out kind of pretending to be him and they raised money like that blows my mind Um, so <laughs> I've also heard of instances where female founders will come out and it'll be an all-male investor panel and the feedback would be, oh, your skirt is too short. And it was like a knee-length skirt. <laughs> but yeah, was that to you or to somebody else, if you don't mind me asking? Not to me. I don't wear skirts anymore. Yeah, um, I was really surprised, but it still does go on. And I think the industry generally is trying. You do find investors who are very aware. And there's a whole bunch of female founder initiatives trying to redress the balance 
which is really great. If you are a female founder, definitely look at those in the first instance, because that's where you'll find other female founders who will be able to share the experience, but also investors who are actively aware of these things. And it gives you a, a bit of a fairer shot. But less than 1% of funding goes to female founded businesses. You mentioned incubators before. Some incubators will take equity and some won't. Do you have any views on that? So our incubator, the incubator that incubated Matchful, the charities that founded us um, took 20% of the company at the beginning. And as you fundraise, that dilutes down. But because they came up with the idea, that makes sense to me. But not every incubator um, is the same. I think accelerators that take equity, you really have to see the value in them. But it kind of depends on the situation. But also, I do hear about incubators or accelerators that take a really high percentage for you know, in exchange for services, for example, and they're like, oh, we have a whole product team and tech team and blah, blah, blah. And so actually you're getting your value back in services that are worth X amount of equity for those kinds of incubators, accelerators. Ask the community, ask people who have been through that, whether it was worth it and definitely do your due diligence. Go and speak to the tech team, speak to everyone in that incubator accelerator before you give away any equity because that's the one thing you have that you can never get back. So. <laughs> Likewise with business angels, again, it's a fit, isn't it? You want to gel with them and click with them because it's like somebody joining your family isn't it yeah a little bit you get a whole spectrum of types of investors some of them really want to be involved and some of them are a bit more hands-off it also depends how much you want them involved or not but definitely if companies want to get involved what do they need to do <laughs> so the, the sales pitch um, is usually that we take away all that that comes with volunteering and we really empower your staff employees and teams to pick causes that they care about yeah your cause in your time using your skills so it's all very flexible we sell companies a membership package it's a monthly membership fee to give all of your employees access to our platform and our hover projects and anyone who signs up and wants to volunteer will match them and we'll also have a volunteer matcher an account manager who will be specific to your company and they will send of your team personalized suggestions of projects they think will fit their skill sets or their interests and so that's what we do but if you want to find out more just get in touch for sure always happy to do a demo we have companies on board at the moment that range from scale-ups and sort of b corps like ellis kitchen so like smaller teams fintechs and scale-ups like series a plus all the way to 4000 plus type companies so any size welcome Wow. Well, in the show notes, we will put a link so people can reach out to you and get in touch and find out more. Thank you. And well, we've whipped through these questions now, although I don't know if it's like <laughs> still super hot there, but literally it's like, wow, I, I feel like I'm on the surface of Mars <laughs> and, and I'm maybe about to melt anytime soon. So we've got the final question to go, which is what is coming up next for you and what are you excited about other than cooling down? <laughs> My top of Ben and Jerry's. That, and also we are in the process of building a very slick 
platform that our CTO Joe is testing and then launching in September. So I'm really excited for everyone, all of our clients and everyone to see that because I think it's really cool. <laughs> so that's very exciting. And then obviously the fundraise to look forward to at the end of the year, but also just growing the team and seeing who comes on board. The most rewarding thing I do is seeing the actual matches being made. Every day we have a little Slack channel that's called feedback and positivity. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like people will write these incredible things like I got matched to this project and it really meant the world to me to volunteer and all that kind of stuff or about the impact that we've helped make it's really that it gets you it's very rewarding it's feel good you're addicted to that feel good feeling yeah definitely (laughs) well well would it be okay for us to keep in touch with you and follow your progress because already since we last spoke everything's taken off so the next time we speak who knows Uh, we'll see you uh, ringing the bell at the stock exchange would it be all right for us to keep in touch and follow your progress of course we're at wearematchable.com so keep an eye out you so much Funk for being my special guest and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you take care thank you so much for having me Hello, my name is Ines Santos. I am the Associate Editor of Womanfology and I am here to tell you all about our revisited issue where we catch up with some of our previous contributors. Womanfology is all about the people who share their journey and wisdom with us and our contributors are always at the very heart of our community so we love to keep in touch and follow their progress. We first spoke with Julie Cohen of I Am Elemental way back in 2014 when she was crowdfunding to bring a new range of female action figures to the market. Fast forward to 2021 and I Am Elemental, a girl-targeted boy-inclusive toy company, is going from strength to strength and has grown a global fan base. There is even a TV series in the pipeline. Alison Zimmerman, Executive Director at Catalyst, is another womanfology contributor who has been with us almost right from the start. We catch up with Alison for the first time since 2017 and she explains how the workplace inclusion landscape has evolved and surprisingly with COVID impacts dominating but also with other influences coming to the fore. She shares her thoughts on the future of work and explains the benefits of taking an intersectional approach to inclusion. We first spoke with Anna Bullis, founder and managing director of Gumdrop, in 2018 when she introduced her company that produces a moldable material made from recycled chewing gum. She's been incredibly busy since then. The business is growing and fast. They are helping keep used chewing gum off the streets as well as offering consultancy services. They recently launched a collaboration with Adidas on their Stan Smith shoes, which give old gum a new life. Fresh from the company's admission to the high growth segment of the main market of the London Stock Exchange in April 21, Romina Savova, founder and CEO of the online pension manager Pension B, shares the findings of their latest research 
part of their ongoing campaign to eradicate the gender pension gap. She explains how having better sharing of parental leave could mean we're all better off. John Rhodes, co-founder of user research and design studio Paper, shares what he and his co-founders have been doing since establishing the company in 2016 to bring more people-focused design to the tech industry. He shares their belief that the key to maintaining a successful company is a happy and diverse team. They're pretty much gender balanced now, but they are committed to growing a fully inclusive company by recruiting all kinds of diverse people. The differences are what keeps it interesting, says John, and we couldn't agree more. And finally, a lovely story that we had to share with you because it has made us really happy here at Womanfology. Tina Hodgson, mother of nine-year-old Evie, wrote for us in October last year about their race against time to find a stem cell donor to treat Evie's severe aplastic anemia, a serious and rare blood disease. The incredible news is that Evie not only found a donor, but she also helped to recruit 25,000 new stem cell donors to the register, attracting worldwide attention for her campaign. William, Evie's little brother, has also raised over 15,000 pounds for the charities that supported Evie. The family is taking some much needed time out together over the summer before Evie returns to school in the autumn. We wish them all the very best. Do check out our website womanfology.co.uk to read the full stories. And that is all from me. That's all for now. Womanfology is taking a summer break, but we will be back with you in September. So in the meantime, take care and stay safe. <laughs>